Welcome to the Genius of Liberty, stories that celebrate the crucial but forgotten role Ohio played in the fight for women's right to vote. I'm Hillary Copsey, your host. Today's story from historian Catherine Dirac is Womanly Women Won't Vote. Although the New York Daily Tribune was generous in its coverage of the first statewide women's rights convention in Salem, Ohio, editor Horace Greeley nevertheless advanced a compelling reason women should not be granted suffrage. Nice ladies won't vote. Recognizing a grand opportunity in 1850 when the state decided to revise its constitution, Ohio suffragists were determined to do what no others had done before, to plan and run a convention with neither assistance nor interference from men. They would advocate the rights of all citizens to vote, regardless of sex or color, then send their demands to the state constitutional convention. Women of Ohio, we call upon you to come up to this work in womanly strength and with womanly energy, the meeting announcement read. The anti-slavery bugle advertised its support. Let heartless bigots scowl and brainless fops and simpering Mrs. Sneer, if it suits them, trumpeted the publisher. But we do not hesitate to declare that this convention concerns the welfare and happiness of the whole human race. How thrilling it must have been when news of the Women's Convention made the front page of the New York Daily Tribune. A convention composed of four or five hundred of the sex has just closed a session of two days in Salem, Ohio. Men took no part whatever in the proceedings but attended in great numbers as spectators. Doubtless surprising his readers, editor Horace Greeley observed that the deliberations of the convention appeared to have been conducted throughout with dignity, propriety, and ability, and furthermore that Congress, our legislatures, and other masculine assemblages might creditably imitate the manner in which the women ran their meeting. It is easy to be droll and facetious in opposition to the demands of these female reformers, Greeley continued, but when a sincere believer in the republic is asked what reason he can give for refusing the demand of women to equal participation with men in political rights, he must answer none at all. The assumption that women are duly cared for in matters of legislation and government by men is not borne out by the facts. If it were, a woman who raises her husband from poverty to wealth by marriage would not be herself consigned to comparative poverty on that husband's death. If it were, a woman afflicted with a drunken husband and compelled to earn the scanty bread of her children could not legally be stripped of her hard earnings by the brute. If it were, the husband enriched by his wife's earnings would be required at least to ask her consent before squandering her estate. If it were, capable, resolute, industrious women would be enabled to earn at least two-thirds as much as men instead of hardly more than one-third. Then Greeley seemed to contradict himself. As a question of practical utility, there is much to be said against the demand of political franchises for women. Many of the lovely, the gentle, the domestic women will with difficulty be brought to the polls, while the reckless, the shameless, the unwomanly will be sure to vote at least once. Their voices will be heard, and perhaps those women will behave so as to drive the refined and modest of their sex from the vicinity of the ballot boxes. 
We only ask that the better portion of them will remember what too many good men forget, that rights imply duties, that power involves responsibility, and that the elector who votes only when personally interested or warmly excited is a sorry patriot and a bad citizen. Commend us to the voter who makes a point of always depositing his ballot, not because he is interested in the result, but because he should be. Thank you for listening to The Genius of Liberty. This series is named after The Genius of Liberty, one of the first U.S. periodicals published by a woman. Elizabeth A. Aldrich covered women's rights conventions and advocated equal access to education, equal pay for equal work, and voting rights for women. She also had ties to the Mercantile Library. You can subscribe to this podcast through Apple Podcasts and find all of our episodes on soundcloud.com slash thegeniusofliberty. Our theme music is Battle Hymn of the Republic Medley by Marissa Anderson, originally recorded live on WFMU and used with permission. Catherine Dirac writes and voices all the Genius of Liberty stories, and Chris Messick records and produces the series, which comes to you from Cincinnati's Mercantile Library. Since 1835, you belong here.